Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. By the way, if you're thinking about coming to my Bible study on Wednesday, we have canceled it Wednesday because of Thanksgiving, of the holiday, and that people need time for preparations. So we will not be meeting this Wednesday, but we will be meeting next Wednesday, November 30th, 6 p.m., Top Hat Pools and Stoves, 2258 Main Street, Wheeling. I really want you to come. I'm telling you, you are missing out on a great Bible study. There is so much that we cover. So I am just inviting you to come. But not not this Wednesday. It is canceled for this Wednesday. Okay, tonight's message, the blessing of Thanksgiving. For me, this is a special time of year. I had a great harvest in my garden this summer and fall. And actually, up until last week, I was still harvesting lettuce and spinach. I planted garlic last week. You have to plant garlic in the fall because it comes up in July. That's when you harvest it. The leaves have fallen from the trees and the cool weather has set in. And I'm always sad for the season to be over, but it gives me a needed break. I am always thankful for the Lord's goodness and how he has prospered me. Last week, I also dug potatoes. Some were seven inches long, several eight inches long. I've never seen an Idaho potato as big as mine. God is all about reproduction and multiplication. I got so many potatoes, so many potatoes this year, I had to give lots away, which I enjoy doing anyway. My garden was the blessing of the Lord. Am I thankful? Oh, you bet I am. On September 16th, 1620, 102 passengers set sail on the ship named the Mayflower with the blessing of their separatist, Pastor John Robinson. They were a strange lot of people, 20 women and the rest men and children. People called themselves, these people called themselves pilgrims. They were Christians who were persecuted for their strict standards of living. They were Puritans who had separated from the local congregations because the Church of England was not holy enough to meet their standards. That was a crime punishable by death. So they left England in search of religious freedom in the Netherlands. Many of them later migrated to America in 1620. Their 66-day journey of 2,750 miles encountered storms so rough the beam supporting the main mast cracked and was propped back in place with a great iron screw, according to author Bill Fetter's book titled The Treacherous World of the 16th Century and How the Pilgrims Escaped It. One youth, John Hallen, a servant of John Carver, was swept overboard by a freezing wave and rescued. Just a fun fact from Bill's book, 
John Hallen's descendants include the signer of the U.S. Constitution, Nathaniel Gorham, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, George Bush, Sarah Palin, Humphrey Bogart, and Alec Baldwin. I thought, I, I actually found that pretty fascinating. This group of pilgrims was headed to Virginia, but they were blown off course and landed at Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts. They could not continue because of the weather to sail on, so they disembarked. Governor William Bradford wrote in his journal, and he said, Being thus arrived in a good harbor and brought safe to land, they fell upon their knees and blessed the God of heaven, who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean and delivered them from all the perils and miseries thereof, again to set their feet on the firm and stable earth, their proper element. Nearly half of that 102 died that first bitter winter. Almost all the women but four survived. Governor William Bradford wrote, Last and not least, they cherished a great hope and inward zeal of laying good foundations for the propagation and advance of the kingdom of Christ in the remote parts of the world. After emerging from the bitter, grueling winter, the pilgrims were surprised when an Indian named Samoset approached them and greeted them in their own language. He had learned English from the fur traders and the fishermen. A week later, Samoset returned with a friend named Squanto, who also spoke English. According to Christian historian David Barton, Squanto lived with the pilgrims and accepted their Christian faith. Squanto taught the pilgrims much about how to live in this new world. And he and Samoset helped forge a peace treaty that lasted for generations between the pilgrims and the Wampanoag Indians. Pilgrim Governor William Bradford described Squanto as a, quote, a special instrument sent of God for our good, end quote. That summer, the pilgrims, through hard work, prayer, and the assistance of helpful Indians, reaped a bountiful harvest. As Pilgrim Edward Winslow affirmed, God be praised, we had a good increase of Indian corn. By the goodness of God, we are far from want. And, you know, as I read this, I think, you know, I felt the same. I had a, I reaped a bountiful harvest and I, it's just the goodness of God, really. The grateful pilgrims, therefore, declared a time in the fall to thank God and to celebrate with their Indian friends America's first Thanksgiving feast and festival. Ninety Wampanoag Indians joined the 53 pilgrims for three days of feasting, which included shellfish, lobsters, turkey, cornbread, berries, deer, and other foods. Sounds yummy to me. 
athletic competition and play, the young pilgrim and Wampanoag men engaged in races and wrestling and athletic events, while the older men engaged in shooting competitions and prayer and thanksgiving for God's providence in watching over and providing for them. This celebration began an annual tradition that slowly spread to the entire nation. Americans now celebrate a day of Thanksgiving each November as part of our long American tradition of openly and publicly. I, I want to say that again. A long tradition of openly and publicly acknowledging God. Among the many examples of the open acknowledge of God is the Declaration of Independence, which declares, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by, they, by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. As Thomas Jefferson affirmed, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God? It was standard practice for our leaders across the generations to acknowledge God as the source of our national rights and blessings and to give thanks to him. Here are some things that our founders wrote that I want to share with you and uh, from our first president, George Washington. Thomas Jefferson wrote, It is... It be recommended to the several states a day of public and solemn thanksgiving to Almighty God to beseech him that he would pour out his Holy Spirit on all ministers of the gospel, that he would spread the light of Christian knowledge through the remotest corners of the earth, and that he, Christ, would establish these United States upon the basis of religion and virtue. Now, my question to you is, does does that sound like we're not a Christian nation? We weren't formed to be a Christian nation? Our foundations aren't Christian? Let me just read that last statement by Thomas Jefferson again to you. That he would spread the light of Christian knowledge through the remotest corners of the earth, and that he, Christ, would establish these United States upon the basis of religion and virtue. Abraham Lincoln said, The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. We are prone to forget the source from which they come. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God. I do, therefore, invite my fellow citizens to observe a day of 
thanksgiving and prayer to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. John Hancock, one of the signers of the Declaration, writes, I appoint a day of public thanksgiving and praise, rendering to God the tribute of praise for his unmerited goodness towards us, in continuing to us the Holy Scriptures, which are able to enlighten and make us wise to eternal salvation. We present our humble and penitent supplication that he would cause the benign religion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be known, understood, and practiced among all the inhabitants of the earth. Again, do you hear what this signer of the Declaration just wrote? So for those out there who are listening and saying we are our foundation is not Christian, you're not paying attention. You need to study because John Hancock just says cause that he would cause the benign religion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be known, to be understood, and to be practiced among all the inhabitants of the earth. George Washington wrote, It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. Now, therefore, I do recommend that we may all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection. And I I just want to throw this in. I I was watching last night. uh, Kelsey Grammer was doing this special on the American Revolution. And it was really good. So I was watching this clip, watching this segment that was about the Battle of Brooklyn. And George Washington's troops were surrounded on three sides. And there was no way for him to escape. He needed to get across the river to Manhattan. But it was impossible, just absolutely impossible. So the thought was they were either going to die or they were going to be captured. And the Lord did an amazing thing out of nowhere, this fog came in. It, they say the fog was so thick that you can only see about six inches in front of you. So George Washington said, we are going to take advantage of this and we're going to get all of our troops out of here, off, out of Brooklyn, across the river and over to Manhattan because there was another set of George Washington's troops there. And believe it or not, 9,000 men were able to leave without any issues. No one hurt, no one shot, no one dead. They all made it across. And, I mean, it was divine providence. 
And George Washington had many situations like that during the Revolution where the divine providence of God. So I can imagine how thankful, how grateful his heart must have been through all of that. This was written in the Continental Congress in 1777. And this is amazing. I mean, again, for those who are so adamant that we do not have a Christian foundation, here we go. It is therefore recommended a day for solemn thanksgiving and praise that with one heart and one voice, the good people may express the grateful feelings of their hearts and join the penitent confession of their manifold sins and their humble and earnest supplication, that it may please God, through the merits of Jesus Christ, mercifully to forgive and blot them out of remembrance, and to prosper the means of religion for the enlargement of that kingdom which consisteth in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I I don't know how it could not be more clear. But those are just little snippets, not just a little taste of the uh, voices, the voices that you're familiar with. Washington, Lincoln, Franklin, uh, um, Jefferson. I didn't, I didn't mention Ben Franklin today, but Ben Franklin has made many quotes that help support this idea that we were founded as a Christian nation and for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have much to be thankful for. We have much to be thankful for for these forerunners, these pioneers who forged the way for us. I'm grateful. I'm thankful You know, the scriptures, especially in the Psalms, have a lot of um, mention of praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. I'd like to read a few of them to you. And so if you would just sit back and relax and kind of just absorb God's word and maybe make a quiet thanksgiving in your heart as you hear what I'm sharing. This is Psalm 100. And it is called a psalm of thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is good. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. I would say for the time that we are living in, this is so relevant, not just from the point of being thankful, but I think we're living in a time where we need to know that the Lord is 
good and that he is God. And he's the one who made us. We can't be so proudful or prideful that we think that, you know, we had something to do with our creation. No, he made us. And we're his people, and we are the sheep of his pasture. And his mercy is so incredible, it's everlasting. And his truth endures, endures to all generations. This is Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your faithfulness every night, to declare your loving kindness in the morning on an instrument of ten strings on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. O Lord, how great are your works! Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand. When the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I like that psalm particularly because it says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord are going to flourish in the courts of the Lord. And it says, even in our old age, and I'm getting close to 70 here in a couple weeks, they shall be fresh and flourishing. That I Listen, <laughs> I don't even consider being old. I'm going to be f fresh and flourishing. I hope you're going to be fresh and flourishing too, no matter how old you are. I don't care if you're 85 or 90. Be fresh and flourishing. Still bear fruit in your old age. And I'm going to declare, I assure you, that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. Hallelujah. The last psalm I want to share with you is uh, Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens and you waters above the heavens. 
Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded, and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. And he has exalted the horn of his people. The praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. Mm. Well, some believe America has strayed from the strong religious convictions of previous generations. Perhaps, but an important question is not just, where is our country's faith, but rather, where do you stand on faith? Have you thankfully acknowledged the providence of Almighty God in your own life? As you celebrate Thanksgiving, remember to retain the original gratefulness to God that has always been the spirit of this, the oldest of all American holidays. I don't know if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but if you don't, I'd like you to pray this simple prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, thank you. I confess you with my mouth. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. I receive you today into my heart to live forever and that I may worship you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. Thank you for washing me with the blood that you shed on the cross. Thank you for making me clean and whole. I am a new creation. And thank you, Father, for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you write me? Would you send me an email? Dawn at pureheart.today, all lowercase letters, dawn, D-A-W-N, at pureheart.today. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you. With that, I'd like to say happy Thanksgiving and God's blessings to all of you. Well, this is Dawn Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. You can listen to it again on iHeartRadio Podcasts under the title Pure Heart Ministries. And uh, I certainly thank you for your prayers. And again, I'm really reaching out and asking you to support this ministry, you can write me at Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I know some of you are listening uh, clear up in Maine all the way to Florida. 
So I really need your support, and I, I thank you for sending a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. Well, I look forward to being with you again next week. This is Don Noble saying, Shalom, Shalom. Peace be unto you.